book of James, chapter 4, verse 8, says, Draw nigh to God, and I'll draw nigh to you. And uh, I'm going to expound on that tonight to you and give you some good insight. And why I do, you can sit there and be comfortable and relax and kick back in your chair. You know, some people sit in church like this. Some people sit in church like this. Nevertheless, sometimes I call the sliders. You gotta slide down, <laughs> pull yourself up, and, and don't forget, there's those ones that do like this when the preaching's going. <laughs> and to be current, we gotta talk about this. The ones are sitting. And we can keep doing church like that till the Lord comes if you want to. Or you can get up out of your seat and stand to your feet with me and put your hands together and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. And say, I refuse to do church like that anymore. I have come tonight to preach the acceptable year of our Lord, 2024. I've come to tell somebody that there's more. Hallelujah. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. So let's just put our hands together and give him praise in this place tonight. Let him know because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you because of who you are. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Hesi, you reign in victory. Jehovah Salam, my prince of peace. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. Come on, let's just take a praise break for a moment and give him praise in this house. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's, it's good to take time to just lift up our voices and make a joyful noise unto the Lord and tell God, I brought you something tonight, God. I brought you a sacrifice, God. I brought you a praise tonight because from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, he's worthy to be praised. <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> See, praise is, is not only an expression of gratitude, it's also a weapon. And anybody in here who is facing a spiritual battle, caught up in spiritual warfare, I want to remind you, it was a shout of praise that brought the walls of Jericho down. Jericho was a battleground where walls needed to come down. They marched around that city for seven days, not saying a word, not expecting nothing to happen, and nothing did. But on the seventh day, they expected something to happen because God said it would. Why? Because on the seventh day, they weren't hollering just to be hollering. They were going to shout. They were going to shout just because they were glad silence was over, just because they didn't have to keep their mouths shut anymore. No, when they shouted, they were letting out a war cry they shouted unto God with the voice of triumph and literally their walls fell down we can keep walking around our walls if we want to we can just keep remaining silent if we want to and we can start keep staring at our mountains if we want to or we can believe like an old man did named Caleb who said give me my mountain 
He was a man that believed that even when my faith is no bigger than a mustard seed, I can say to this mountain, move from here to there. That's why I can't help but praise him. He's been too good to me. His praise should be continually on my lips each and every day. Oh, to praise him all day long. David said seven times a day, I praise him. So you know what? According to David's belief, a typical day ought to go something like this. Lord, I praise you that you woke me up at 5 a.m. with breath in my body again, and I'm still laying next to the one I love. You know what? Then about 7 a.m., Lord, I praise you for my children are still healthy and they're still strong today. And then about 9 a.m., Lord, I praise you for this job. It don't pay a lot, but it pays the rent. It keeps the light on and food on the table. Then on about now noontime, Lord, I praise you for the food I'm about to eat. It might only be raw main noodles in a cup, but at least I'm not going to go hungry. And then how about 3 p.m.? Lord, I praise you for this beautiful weather today, even though it's raining because the earth needs this is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Then come about 6 p.m., Lord, I praise you for my house. It ain't nothing fancy, but it's home. It's warm in the winter, and it's cold in the summer. Then about 9 p.m., Lord, I praise you for helping me to make it through another day. My feet still hurt. My mind is tired. But your word says you give your beloved sleep, and I know because of you I can face tomorrow. Seven times a day, Lord, I praise you. Come on. I praise you when I'm hungry. I praise you when I'm full. I praise you when I can pay my bills. I praise you when I can. I praise you when I'm healthy. I praise you when I'm sick. I praise you when I'm on my mountain. I praise you in my valleys. I praise you when my children are on the honor roll. And I praise you when they're acting like a fool. I praise him because I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see. Because I believe there is victory in Jesus. Somebody ought to shout, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now let me be honest. I'm not into passive religious services. I feel an urgency to preach Jesus with passion and promise. I came expecting God to show up and to show out. This world's in a mess. Too many lives are in a mess. Folks ain't got time for skinny jeans and soft-spoken, laid-back celebrities speaking preachers. Oh, they look cute and they're trendy, but folks I'm talking about, including me, they need to hear someone with passion and power under the anointing of the Holy Ghost preach the truth like our lives depend on it. I want to hear the unadulterated word of God that has not been compromised or tainted by culturistic methodologies. I want to hear the word that gives life to a lost and a dying world. I want to hear of Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. We don't got time for dead, dried up religion or feel good emotional vehicles speaking. The hour's here. Hear ye the word of the Lord. The word that gives hope to the hopeless, strength to the weary and the tired. I've drugged myself into many, too many mundane services, more than times that I care to count. And I realize, too, a lot of it's got to do with me and how I walk in here and the responsibilities I have as well. I found that if I walk in here not expecting things, I'll be leaving here not receiving anything. Come on. 2023 were rough and tough times for many of us. Some of us lost some stuff that meant the world to us, went through some tough times and battles and brought great loss to our lives. Oh, but this year I'm coming here forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching for those things which are in front of me. 
I'm not coming to church this year because of resolution. I'm coming to church this year for restitution. The devil's going to give me back my stuff. He's, he's going to pay me back for what he's done to my family. And I'm expecting that the Lord God that I serve will give me a double for my troubles. He did it for Job, and I'm expecting him to do it for me because he's not a respecter of persons. I'm not just preaching. I'm demanding, commanding in the name of Jesus, claiming and proclaiming that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Devil, the assignment is canceled. The contract to my life is null and void. The pot has been pulled. The attack has been squashed. I'm going to rise and shine and watch my enemies be scattered. I have come in here tonight ready to preach. Whether you're in season or out of season, meaning whether you're ready to hear the word or whether you're ready or not. So ready or not, here it comes. It's time to quit coming just because it's what we do and start coming because it's what we want to do. You know what? I don't care if every church in this town quits having church on Sunday night. That doesn't mean we can't have church if we want to. You know, backsliding is a process, don't you? It happens over a period of time. You gradually slip away by slowly withdrawing your relationship with Christ. You all know it is a relationship, right? I come to preach to the churches of America. We better get a hold of ourselves and wake up because the church is on the brink of entering into a backslidden state. People little by little falling away until it emerges to a great falling away. It was prophesied. This one not coming anymore. That one not coming anymore. Never dreamed she would, but she did because they did. I refuse to be part of enabling the church to become backslidden. What am I saying? Most churches are down to one service a week. And for more, more for many, it's not more than just a gathering of a service. No more Wednesday night service. No more Sunday night service. No more prayer service. Just little by little, we just keep continuing to slip away. And if coming on Sunday morning is too much to ask of you, we'll put it online so you don't even have to get up and get out of your pajamas. Well, let me tell you where that puts the church just one step from closing the doors, and many have. When my word tells me we should be assembling all the more as the last days approaches. Don't say you want more when you come less. We're closing churches at an alarming rate in this nation. What's going on? We have left our first love. We have become officially five-star members of the Laodicean Church Club. We're neither hot nor cold. We have become lukewarm. We feel we have need of nothing. You do not realize we're wretched and we're miserable and we're poor and we're naked. While Jesus stands at the door and knocks and we won't let him in. I say it's time to open the door and let him in. Come on, church. Many argue, nothing says you got to come to church. Well, nothing says you got to go to the beauty shop every Friday either. And nothing says you got to go to the gym three times a week. And nothing says you got to go to Walmart every day. But you do because you want to, not because you have to. It's because you want to. We always find time to do what we want. Where your heart is is where your treasures are. It's the spirit that wrestles against our flesh. And the winner is which one you, everyone you feed the most. There's nothing wrong with doing the things I mentioned as long as you have time for God too. Because anything you put before God becomes idolatry. 
When you'd rather always appease the flesh over strengthening your spirit, there has to be a balance in everything. It's to be done in moderation. So it's 2024. It's a new year. And 2023 was a rough and tough year for so many. And tonight on the minds of many, so many, they, they don't want another year like last year. Anybody want to say amen to that? There's so many people wanting so much more in 2024. They want this to happen, and they want that to change. She wants him to change, and he wants her to change. And they want to do more of this, and they want to do more of that. They want to be closer to God. They want to be more faithful. But the true challenge to their wants is they want it, but they truly don't expect it. We've got a problem. They want him to change, but they really don't expect him to. They really want to be healed, but they really don't expect to be. They really want their child to break the addiction, but they really don't expect it to happen. You know that God can save to the utmost, but you really don't expect your child to be saved. And too many aren't getting what they're wanting because they're not expecting nothing. Therefore, you're not getting nothing. If there is a hindrance to God moving on your behalf, it's a lack of your expectation, which is produced by your faith. Wonder why nothing's happening in the church? You don't expect it to. Wonder why God's not moving? You don't expect him to. Be honest. How many came expecting God to move tonight? That it was on the forefront of your mind came expecting God to, that you'd get your breakthrough tonight, for God to touch your life tonight in a transforming way, for you to be healed of your condition tonight, did you come out of duty, obligation, or did you come out of expectation? Let me ask you, how many expect to get something on your birthday? How many expect to get something on Christmas? And how many of a child could hardly sleep at night all night expecting presents? You were the first one up on Christmas morning. Why? Because you believed your parents or even Santa Claus was going to bring you something. Well, if your parents know how to give good give gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give to those who ask? And through the years of your relationship with your mama as a child at Christmas, when you asked for a train set, you got a train set. You expected it because mama always seen to it you got it, right? Well, we serve a heavenly father who has promised he should supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not all your wants, not your trains, your cars, your houses, but your need. He's promised if you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. So if you draw nigh to God, you can expect him to draw nigh to you. So when you say, I want to get closer to God, then when you do get close to God, you can expect him to get closer to you. You see, God's promises are conditional. And if you obey the commands of demand or the conditions, you can expect what he promises to happen. Such as, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The condition to the promise is you've got to call on the name of the Lord. If my people which are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and pray. You have to turn from your wicked ways. You have to humble yourself and you have to pray. Then God will heal your land. How many want to be more closer to God in 2024? You say, I want to be closer. Well, to be closer to God, that's contingent upon the time you put into growing your relationship with him. If you want to be closer to your spouse, it means you have to spend more time with them. Your relationship with your spouse is not going to grow if you're gone all the time. 
if you spend less time together, if you put everything else before them, so it is with God. It's one thing to say you want it. It's another to do it. God sure wants to be closer to you. He's ready. He says, hey, how about tonight? He's even promised he'll draw nigh to me. I'll draw nigh to you. So when you do, he does as he's promised. You can expect it to happen. See, a lot of people want a lot of things, but the problem stems from they don't have an expectation for it to happen. So therefore, they give no effort to it happening. They give up too easy. They give up too soon. Now, I can say I want a new house, but I really don't expect that to happen. You can say, I, I want God to heal me, you say, but do you really expect that to happen? You see, when I die, I want to go to heaven, and I expect to go if I keep up the conditions to the promise. I can't live in sin and expect to go to heaven. I don't care how much I want to. You can say, I want to have a baby, and that's all good, but until you get pregnant, don't expect to have a baby. But once you're pregnant, you can expect to have a baby. Expectation is trying again and expecting a different result, even if it takes seven times. The problem with people wanting something, not getting what they want, is there is no expectation. They want their brother saved, but they really don't expect it to happen. They want to be healed, but they really don't expect it to happen. They want things to turn around, but they really don't expect it to happen. They want this year to be better than last year, but they really don't expect it. But the reason they want it, but don't expect it, when it comes to spiritual things, they don't believe God's promises. Because if you truly believe his promises to be true, it will birth faith in you, and your faith will give birth to a result. Because by faith, you expected it to. If you believe the word by faith and nurture it with expectation, then you'll see it come to pass by manifestation. Come on. In other words, if the precept and the promise of God's word doesn't come, become an experience, you never had an expectation. But if you ever experience what is expressed in God's word to be true, then you will always expect that if God said it, I can have it, I can do it, I can overcome it, I can stand on it, I can declare it, I can claim it, because all of his promises are true. You see, faith cometh what? By hearing, hearing the word of God. And then your faith should birth the expectation that leads to an experience that brings forth a result. And when you do experience what you expect, you're going to become so enamored with the supernatural, you'll no longer allow the natural to hold you hostage anymore. You won't remain shallow in your faith. See, this Bible right here is full of God's promises. It's his written word. The men that wrote the pages of this book wrote them as the Holy Ghost breathed on them. The spirit that inspired to write his words is the true power of the words, not the page, not the words, not the letters. They alone will do nothing for you. But if you can make contact through them with the spirit that inspired them to write them, it's then the life that gives this word life will enter into you. And you will be transformed and changed and renewed by the washing of the word. When you're pointing someone to this book, this book points them to them, to him. Everything in this book points to him. You know what we got? It's time for more than objective truth alone. It's time for subjective experiences. Now, what is objective truth? Objective truth is what exists 
and can be proved in this physicality by natural laws that confirm and validate it. Well, what is subjective experiences? Subjective experiences are individual experiences that aren't always experienced or can be explained by all. They supersede natural explanation. Speaking of supernatural experiences, they can be subject to criticism by others for lack of their spiritual understanding. I want to tell you something. I've had some supernatural encounters with God that I can't explain, yet the impact of the experiences that I've had have profoundly changed my life, my perception, and my mindset. The experiences are what have grounded me in my faith. Whether you believe me or not that it happened, criticize them if you want, just because the laws of nature can't validate what I experienced. But honey, supernatural encounters come without explanation because they supersede the natural laws of man. Science can't explain it. Arithmetic can't equate it. But his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He's past understanding. His power is irrefutable because he's sovereign. Their experiences that I've had give me, give me my expectation that all of God's promises are true. Leading me to believe nothing is impossible to those who believe. So many want thing, people want things from God without ever expecting them to happen. They read the promises, but they don't have an expectation because of a lack of faith. Church, serving God is a faith walk. We walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, you can't have, can't have an explanation, expectation. And to not have faith is not pleasing to God. For you to be able to hold the written promises of God in your hand and you not believe them is not pleasing to him. I'm expecting according to his word that he that has begun a good work in me will perform it until the return of Jesus Christ. I'm expecting the same spirit that gave me the written word wants to give me the promises of his word. That's why having an encounter with God is so important. It's having a subjective experience that validates the validity of his word. Our God is an experiential God. Yet so many who confess to believe have never had a supernatural encounter with God. They're only objective in their beliefs. You know, doctors expect their patients to get better. Mechanics expect to fix your car. Builders expect to build houses that won't fall down. But yet we come into the church and expect nothing from a God who has everything we have need of. It's getting to where on Sundays in church, the only thing we expect is for the preacher to preach good and be done in time so we can go on with our day. Come on. I just wonder what would happen in this service tonight if for the next five minutes you expected Jesus to come walking down that aisle. If you expected the Lord, I mean, if you could physically see him, you could probably objectively praise him. But my Bible reads, more blessed are those that believe that do not see because of their deep-rooted faith. They will have subjective experiences because they believe he's here whether they see him in person or not because the Spirit of God has revealed to them his presence is in this place. Hallelujah. Give him praise. And if he's here, his power is here. And whatsoever I have need of, I can come boldly before the throne room of grace and make my petitions known. I can have a supernatural encounter with him. The power of Pentecost has to be believed and expected. 
I'm concerned the power of Pentecost is fading due to the decline of expectation. Too many no longer expecting God to perform his promises. We know them and we quote them, but have we given up on expecting them? Now, we know the biblical meaning of the word Pentecost means 50 because it came 50 days after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. The supernatural experience written of, was written of in the book of Acts where God's promises come. They were instructed to go to the upper room in Jerusalem and wait to tarry for the promise to come. The promise was of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. For days, many of them waited with an expectation. Believing by faith, it was to come as promised. It began with 400 people, but after a few days, only 120 had remained. The others had given up on the promise because they no longer expected it to come. They knew of the promise, but they no longer expected it to come. Their lack of expectation became a hindrance to them receiving that which he had promised. Waiting can deflate expectation. Time has a way of voiding expectation, allowing doubt to set in, emptying you of your faith. It happens no different today in our days. The day came for those who waited faithfully with expectation, for those who didn't put a time on his promise. You know, I, I looked up the word Pentecost in a different perspective. Don't know why I did it. I just felt led to do it. I just simply took the word Pentecost and I broke it down and I looked it up according to the English dictionary. And I was surprised at its meaning and even more so that God spoke to me through it. The word pente means slope, a steep descent. And God spoke to me and said, if Pentecost is not careful, the slippery slope it's on is going to cause a steep descent and cause us to lose the power promised to us. Because of the steep slope it is on now, way too many are falling off of it because the lack of deep faith that grounded them is causing them to slip off. And if we don't step up and start expecting the promises of God again, Pentecost will take on a new meaning, one with only having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Expectations has got to bring life back to our faith, to the doctrines of Pentecost. The spirit of his word has to be experienced. The words alone on these pages is not enough. Subjective experiences of the supernatural power have to be expected by faith in the promise of the promise keeper. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit that inspired the written word is a true power. The men that wrote these words wrote them as the Holy Ghost breathed on them. This book, these words alone can do nothing for you until you make contact with the spirit that inspired the words to be written. Then you can read these promises and gain the faith to start expecting them to be true. That my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. That it is his desire to show itself strong on my behalf. That I am the Lord God that healeth thee. 
that I make the blind to see and the lame to walk. That I am your very present help in times of trouble. That I make the crooked ways straight. If you will believe the written words on these pages, your faith will grow and your faith will produce an expectation. Come on, somebody. You'll become pregnant with promise and will begin to expect to birth your dreams and promises. Leading you to be changed and transformed by the power of God. When I pray and I lay my hands on people, I do it with an expectation. That if I do it with faith in, God, in God's promise and command to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, I want to tell you something. That when I lay hands on people and I believe for the promise of God for you, I expect diabetes to be gone. I expect the broken to be made whole. I expect the destitute to become hopeful. I expect the addiction to be broken. I expect demons to tremble and flee. I expect unforgiveness to be forgiven. I expect the affliction to be gone. How can I do that? By the faith I have in the promises of God that his words are true. My spiritual pregnancy has expectations because my faith in him produces them. Expectation comes in, becomes the oxygen that brings life to my faith. It's what keeps hope alive. The expectation of faith is what makes the impossible seem possible. God is moving in these hideous and perilous days with the desire to show himself strong on your behalf. And it's time to be honest. You want his promises, but do you really expect them? Your lack of expectation is delaying your results. Your lack of expectation expresses your lack of faith. It's not pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without expectation, you have nothing left but frustration. That's why you're so frustrated over your promises. You want something for God, you know his promises. But time and waiting has brought you to a place of walking out of the upper room. Removing you from the experiences you were promised. Just like the 380 walked out of the upper room before the day of the promise came. You know he can, but the natural law of time says he won't. So you just don't expect he will anymore. And we wonder what's wrong with the church. Come on, somebody. It's not that you don't believe he can, but you just don't believe he will for you. You want your brother saved, but you really don't expect it to happen, so you quit praying. You want your children saved, but you really don't expect it to happen, so you just quit praying. You want your spouse to change, but you really don't expect it to happen, so you just quit praying. You have to pray the promises of God by faith and with expectation. Believing that God, he is a God who answers, expect it to happen. Be willing to be subject to criticism of your belief. Expectation is what leads to persistency. It's what tells you not to give up. It's what tells you to go ask again. To wait and to let patient do its perfect work. How long do I keep expecting until your nothing becomes something? God wants you to expect until, expect until the intended promise of God's word happens in your life. I don't want to leave this world 
and make it to the portals of glory and have him tell me, I would have done more for you down there, but you didn't expect anything. Now back to my opening scripture. Now it ties to everything I just said. As so many of us, we have lost our expectation. Time and waiting on his promise has discouraged us. It's frustrated us to the point we're no longer expecting. And we're aborting our hopes and dreams and our promises. We have a decision to make. Come in here and just tolerate and endure to the end. Or we got to turn today and say from this day forward, I come into the house of the Lord with an expectation. We can't have revival with, unless we expect it. He promised we will in the last days. Well, if he promised it, we have to come in here with an expectation, expecting it to happen. If it didn't happen yesterday, perhaps today will be the day. But God's promises are true. And by faith, I will believe them and I will expect them to the day of his promises come true. May not come when I want it, but it'll be there right on time. Psalms 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. It's time to declare in 2024, I will be persistent in my expectation when my musicians begin to come. How do I get back up? How do I get back on track? How do I get my faith back on fire? You've got to enter into his presence and experience his power because expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Let's be honest. What we want to be happening in the church right now, it's not happening because we truly aren't expecting it to be happening. We want it, but we don't expect it. The church needs to become the birthing room for this world to see the mighty acts of God being birthed in the lives of his people. That he's not dead, that he's alive, that he's living on the inside of us. Well, how do I do that? How do I get back to that place of expectation? You do it by accepting this invitation tonight. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. You see, draw nigh to God is an invitation to you, to whosoever will. And you do it by faith. You come and be renewed. You come and be refreshed. Because when you draw nigh to him, your faith in him will birth an expectation that when you do, you believe he'll draw nigh to you as he promised. I want to tell you something. When the altars of the churches remain empty, it is a reflection that there's no expectation of experiencing the truth. And therefore, the manifestation and the demonstration of God's power is stilled in that place. And we leave here like we came, bound, oppressed, depressed, and lame. It's time to turn things back around. Come on, somebody. Stand to your feet with me. It's time for expectation to be back in the house of God. The words being preached, the promises are true, but expectation is declining. There are needs in this house, all over this house, and there's needs outside of these walls. 
people need God now more than they've ever needed him. But faith has to rise. An expectation has to be birthed in our lives. The church has to come alive. Do you know what every believer should be able to expect from God? His presence, his power, his provisions, his protection, his promotion, his peace, his promises, his possibilities. Why? Because his promises are true. So I'm going to ask you tonight, will you accept the invitation tonight? Will you draw nigh to God? And will you let God draw nigh to you? Because drawing nigh to God is an invitation and a promise that should give you an expectation that if you'll do it, he'll do it. What do you need from God? What is it you're wanting God to move on your behalf? Because church, he's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. He's a friend. You want to get closer to him? He's the great I am. He says, I am whatever you have need of. In Mark 11, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what so, and things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall receive them. The spiritual meaning of expectation is the anticipation of divine good. Looking by faith for the wondrous benefits God has prepared for us. The psalmist says in 5.3, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. If you're pregnant with promise, then be like an expectant mother. Nurture your promise and wait for the appointed day of its birth with an expectation. Well, some of you might say, well, it didn't happen last year. Well, it didn't happen for me either. You know? But the hell I went through was the travail that caused me to push through. I want everything that God has for me and for my family. And I'm expecting I have every promise he's had. Me and my wife have a son that needs to be back in the house of the Lord. And I'm expecting, and I've never quit expecting, there's going to be a day when he walks through them doors back into the house of the Lord. But for now, I just stand by the road and I look every day. No many are telling how many times I turn in that seat, just look back out of expectation. Is he here today? No. But he's coming. You know why he's coming? Because God told me he's coming. He told me that if I train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he shall not depart. And church, he's getting old, so it's about time for it to happen. Come on, somebody. And each and every one of you have got things that you're wanting God to do in your life. And they haven't ha happened yet, but you've got to keep expecting them to happen. We can't keep coming in here and sitting down in these chairs like we do and just listening to the Word. We've got to get up out of them chairs. We've got to have an expectation back in the house of God. If we want to see this thing turn around, if we want to begin to see the results and the manifestation and the demonstrations of God to begin to happen in our lives, we have got to come in this place expecting that God is God and believe that God is God and God can do what he promises. Somebody say amen. As they begin to play, I'm going to ask you, are you here tonight? What is it you need from God? Then I'm gonna, if you have a need tonight, I'm gonna, I don't care what it is, I'm going to ask you to begin to come to this altar. 
with an expectation that, God, I'm coming because your promises are true.